a Wendy's Frosty is something special. And for a limited time, a Frosty is just 50 cents. An American classic for a classic price. It's not quite a milkshake, not quite an ice cream cone. It's definitely chocolate or vanilla. That choice is on you. Use a spoon or a french fry. Anything goes. A Frosty makes summer special. Yep, there's nothing quite like a Frosty. And there's nothing quite like this deal. A Frosty for 50 cents. Get yours before this deal melts away. Small Frosty at participating Wendy's for a limited time. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind, Body, Spirit. Living. What happened? Welcome to Mind, Body, Spirit, Living a Holistic Life, with your host, Renee David Alkali. Are you searching for the path to the discovery of wholeness and balance in your life? We'll discuss the future of holistic health care and how the concepts discussed on today's show can help you make better choices in your life. Now, here's your host, Renee David Alkali. Good morning. And welcome to Mind, Body, Spirit. Uh, it's nice to have you back with us. Uh, we've, we appreciate your feedback and um, the interest that you've uh, expressed in the topic we've covered in the last uh, three episodes of our show. Uh, today we're going to uh, try to finish that up with uh, a discussion of minerals and how they affect the mind. The topic that we've been discussing for the last three weeks is food and mood. We asked certain questions. Can food really affect our mental health? How does food affect our moods? What's the psychological relationship? And how can we find out if food is affecting our mental health? Is there something specific to look for in our diet? How can we go about changing our diet and what are the changes that may be useful and helpful? Are there any sources where we can find help or resources? So these are some of the topics we've been covering. Uh, We've looked at the links between food and mood, having a little more control over our mental health, and developing uh, a level of self-management Uh, regarding our emotions and the various moods and shifts that we go through. So one of the things that uh, we can review at uh, this point is the elements of a meal that supports mental balance and emotional balance and and physical balance, certainly, and the elements of a meal that do not support that a lot of the foods that we have on the market, unfortunately, do not support either physical, mental, or emotional health. Uh, elements that do not support us uh, would be a lot of artificial additives. Certainly, at the very least, without going to the extremes of saying artificial additives may be carcinogenic, and uh, there may be some correlation between that and the levels of cancer that we're seeing. Uh, Without going to that extreme, we can certainly say that uh, artificial additives cause a range of food sensitivity reactions in many people. Um, another, uh, Another element that is hidden in so many foods and often not hidden, we just overuse it and overabuse it, would be sugar. Sugar is a very addictive substance. Uh, it is, we will be doing a special show on sugar at one point because the, the topic is quite extensive. So just to touch on it, however, we can say that sugar does give a sudden blood sugar rise Uh, which is followed by a dip in mood and energy about an hour or so after that. So that's called the sugar blues, the sugar roller coaster. Uh, Sugar sensitivity certainly can produce symptoms of poor concentration, anxiety, irritability. Um, The result, that dip then can cause fatigue, depression, certainly mental confusion, all of those. Another element in the foods that are on the market would be stimulants. 
How many stimulants are we using? Uh, certainly caffeine is a stimulant, uh, uh, which we have to be a little aware of. It causes anxiety and panic attacks in people who are a little sensitive to caffeine. And the last category of foods to be aware of to be a little cautious about would be wheat and dairy. Uh, these are very often uh, called culprit foods, and they're associated with food sensitivities again. Uh, they've been associated also with depression and fatigue, for example. <coughs> Sorry. What, so what does a, a good meal uh, that can support our body and our mind uh, what does a good meal consist of? What are good foods? Well, good, uh, good proteins. Uh, proteins uh, are foods that supply uh, tryptophan. Uh, it's, it's certainly, they're found in oil-rich fish or nuts and seeds. Also in avocado, dried apricots. We've covered some of this before, but before we go to minerals, I'm just reviewing with you a little bit for those of you that have not heard our previous shows. Proteins are made of certain fra fragments. Those fragments, uh, I'm sure many of you know, are called amino acids. Some amino acids can have a direct effect on levels of certain brain chemicals. Uh, an example would be foods that are high in tryptophan. They improve mood because tryptophan is converted by the body to serotonin. And serotonin, of course, is an important brain chemical that uh, regulates uh, mood, certainly regulates depression and or counteracts depression, but also uh, regulates uh, the impulse, our impulse uh, to continue to eat. It regulates appetite. And it does elevate uh, our mood and self-esteem. Generally, serotonin is associated with uh, having a sense of optimism, or being able to have a calm feeling and sleeping well. So what are the foods that are very high in, uh, in a sort of ready-made serotonin? Uh, in the fruit category, bananas and avocado uh, provide some pretty ready-made serotonin. The other category of good foods to be uh, aware of would be some of the uh, carbohydrates that improve our mood. These are concentrated really in pastas and, and fruit and, and oat cakes. So the, when we absorb tryptophan into the brain, that's thought to be greatly enhanced by eating certain carbohydrate foods or carbohydrate-containing foods. Um, and also carbohydrate cravings have been explained as a kind of subconscious drive to increase those serotonin levels. Uh, we are, you know, if we look at different engines, a car engine, for example, is a fast-burning engine. There are little explosions. They, they drive a camshaft. They, they turn the wheel and so on, turn the wheels. Um, they explode in, into pistons. So we're not a fast-burning engine. We're a slow-burning engine. We do well when the fire burns consistently and slowly. And that is really what carbohydrates do. Carbohydrates um, burn, they're slow releasing, and they're, therefore they can help the consistent absorption of tryptophan across the blood-brain barrier without creating that rebound effect, that hypoglycemic dip that we spoke about that happens with sugar. Oats are very important. They have a low glycemic index. Glycemic index would be the, the amount of calories per sugar rise or sugar dip in a particular food. So eating foods and meals with a low GI or a low glycemic index uh, means eating foods which release their energy slowly, keep you feeling good for a longer period of time. And they also help to avoid, as I said, that roller coaster ride of energy and moods where we go up and we go down. We're kind of on that roller coaster, fluctuations in the blood glucose levels. Um, the last couple of uh, items that really constitute healthy uh, intake would be some of the fats that we need. And you know, I go to the 
food store and I, I look at the foods and there's low-fat uh, dairy, there's low-fat uh, carbs, there's low-fat, low-fat everything. The amount of low-fat products on the shelves is uh, disturbing to me because I don't personally believe that low-fat is, is a good way to go. We need fats in the body. Fats provide very important functions. Uh, the brain itself is over 60% fat. So avoiding all types of fat, um, especially in, in these low-fat diets, can certainly lead to anxiety and depression and a whole host of mental health problems. Besides, you know, we're talking about food and mood. I, I'm not going to go too much into the physiological problems, but the mental problems when we have polyunsaturated omega-3 fats, for example, they're particularly important and uh, particularly high, found very high in the oily, rich fish. They're also high in pumpkin seeds and walnuts. Uh, interestingly enough, by the way, walnuts are very good brain food. You know, there is, the, there is a theory uh, in, among nutritionists and naturopaths uh, about foods having the effect in the body. It doesn't start with naturopaths and nutritionists. It's a very ancient idea, actually, that foods affect us in, in the same way that those foods, in, in the manner in which those foods resemble a part of our anatomy. So if you look at a walnut, more than anything else, it, re it resembles the brain, so here we have that correlation. And so we find in much of the literature that walnuts are a good brain food. Um, so we can take that a little further, but that's not what this program is about today. We need to keep a good balance, going back to the fats, between the omega-3 fats and the other essential fats, uh, most importantly the omega-6. Uh, so having that balance, we can find it pretty naturally in most nuts and seeds. The last, uh, the last part of a good daily diet would consider vitamins and minerals. And I am not speaking here about the intake of, art of uh, uh, isolated vitamins and minerals in the form of pills, uh, but more in the form of how do we get these from certain food groups. Well, vitamins and minerals are essential for emotional and mental health, and today we're going to actually go into minerals in just a few moments. The conversion of the tryptophan protein fragment that I spoke about into that good brain chemical, serotonin, is helped by a lot of cofactors or cofactor nutrients. Uh, these cofactors uh, for that tryptophan to serotonin conversion um, are, ought to be part of our, our daily consumption. Uh, vitamin C, for example, aids in that conversion. Where is that found in, in the vegetable kingdom? In watercress. Uh, folic acid. Folic acid, we've already said avocado. Certainly folic acid is high in avocado. And lettuce, romaine lettuce, or red leaf lettuce. Uh, basically any lettuce, perhaps except... Uh, Iceberg lettuce, which I'm, I'm not sure exactly what iceberg lettuce has to offer us, very little. Um, and walnuts. Uh, B6, uh, part of that conversion, essential for the tryptophan to serotonin conversion. Again, avocado. So we see avocado really tops the list in a lot of areas. And banana, sunflower seeds, walnuts again, watercress again. So you know, certainly having these foods a few times a week is, is going to assist in that conversion and help us with our moods. Uh, the next one would be biotin, found primarily in uh, oil-rich fish and fruit, and again, lettuce. Uh, also, uh, by the way, in corn pasta. And uh, the last one perhaps to look at before we go more deeply into the minerals would be zinc. Zinc also is found in oats, sardines, and again, walnuts. So, you know, we see walnuts repeating several times. Um, 
I I would recommend having a few wall, you know, not a lot because they are high in fats, but certainly having uh, two walnuts a day is not a big deal, and that might just make the difference between feeling good and feeling bad. Um, if you want to vary that, you could have a few walnuts uh, maybe three or four times a week. Other days have some different nuts. Other days, perhaps, have some seeds, some pumpkin seeds, or some almonds. Almonds are high in laetrile. Laetrile fights cancer. Laetrile is a very important chemical element. It's found naturally in almonds. That's raw almonds. So so you have now a basic checklist uh, of things to be aware of. And... um, if you follow these basic guidelines, you're going to feel better. Your body will do better. Your mind will do better. Your emotions will do better. Your thinking process will be clearer. And you'll avoid a lot of that roller coaster that, that many of us in our society are on constantly. So um, uh, I'm going to take just a moment now to welcome those of you who are just joining us. Uh, you're listening to Mind, Body, Spirit with your host, myself, Renee David Alkali. Uh, The essence, the essential element of our program is living life as a holistic person or holistic being or living life in a holistic manner. Um, uh, We've covered many topics since the beginning of our show, uh, since we first began our show. Uh, Every one of our shows is archived. You can listen to it. And uh, today we are speaking about food and mood. Uh, Hopefully we're going to finish this topic, which we've covered for the last three sessions. Today's session goes into minerals, and that's where we're going to go now. If you want to call into our show, uh, you can certainly do that at 929-477-2869. That's 929-477-2869. And uh, you're always welcome to contact me if you have any personal issues that you need, to, you need help with. Um, I am available for consultations, and we see people both in our office, uh, in our practice, as well as um, phone consultations, Skype, uh, email, any way that I can be of service. Uh, Our website is www.genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, healthbeauty.com. That's genesishealthbeauty.com. So we'll continue with our show. And as I said today, we're going to talk about minerals. One of my teachers was the late Bernard Jensen, and he had a very interesting take on minerals. Uh, He was a wonderful teacher and uh, healed so many people during the course of his life and his work. And he liked uh, liked to give the minerals different different names, depending on what they did in the body. So I certainly follow my teacher, and I credit him with uh, with uh, much of what I share with you. I, not only him, but many of the wonderful teachers and uh, guides that I have personally had throughout my life. The first mineral that we'll touch on is iron. Now, the name for iron would be the frisky horse. Iron is the frisky horse. Um, Today, a number of people seem to have an iron deficiency. Uh, Often we find uh, poor blood status. Uh, The hematocrit, the hemoglobin, and the red blood cell count may not be down in the anemic range, but many people are low in this blood count. So what is the, the medically sufficient iron level? Um, what's considered to be a, a sufficient level? 
this level might not be sufficient for optimum health, but iron levels can vary anywhere between 45 and 200 micrograms. So the next time you look at your blood test, you can take a look yourself. Am I within somewhere in that range? Uh, from a medical point of view, we could say that if we're within that range, we're still considered medically okay. But there's a good deal of disagreement on this point. And a lot of doctors today agree that almost anyone with an iron level under 100 is not really in good shape. So what does iron do? Iron helps to form hemoglobin. And hemoglobin is that substance in our red cells that transports oxygen, carries the oxygen, it's a carrier, from the, it carries it from the lungs to the rest of the body. When you don't have enough hemoglobin, then the oxygen supply to the tissues is lowered. And when we don't have enough oxygen to the tissues, that has certain repercussions. That causes apathy, a kind of pallor in the skin, a shortness of breath, irritability, uh, tiredness. Uh, you know, we get that run-down feeling. So uh, that's the relationship, really, of iron to, to mood. If we don't have a sufficient level of hemoglobin, the mood is going to be affected, as well as the body, of course, as I've said. Um, the, what is anemia? We, you know, why is pernicious anemia so uh, potentially deadly? It's a lack of oxygen to the cells. Iron attracts oxygen. If we have low iron, we're not attracting oxygen to the same level. So it's not only about uh, having the carrier, but we're not even attracting the oxygen uh, to the degree that we need. So once we've attracted it, then we also need to have enough hemoglobin to carry it properly. There are, uh, there are some other elements. There's the consumption and absorption issue. Are there any interfering factors that prevent the absorption of iron? Certainly, yeah, the answer is yes. Certain substances in food, uh, dietary fiber, phytates. Uh, there's a food additive called EDTA. Also, coffee and tea. All of these can reduce iron absorption. If you love your cup of coffee, I don't want to take that away from you. But if you love, your, if you love three or four cups of coffee a day, I'm going to suggest you revisit to that and check out your moods and check out a couple of things. Number one, the anxiety produced by caffeine. And if you're fortunate enough not to be sensitive to caffeine, then I would ask a different question. Also, I would look for uh, issues like shortness of breath or irritability or that rundown feeling. And then you might see some relationship to the amount of coffee or even tea that you're drinking and the reduction of iron absorption, which protects you against all of those. Uh, and certainly look for the additive EDTA or the phytates in the food or the dietary fiber. But the greatest influence, the greatest influence on absorption appears to be the type of iron itself. There are two types of iron. There's heme iron and non-heme iron. An important consideration for vegetarians, because the best absorbed type, which is called heme, H-E-M-E, H-E-M-E, -E, iron, that's found exclusively in flesh foods. Vegetables, grains, fruits, eggs, uh, nuts, beans, uh, they contain a non-heme iron. So although heme iron is more readily absorbed by the body, there are things that you can do as a vegetarian to assure that you'll get greater absorbability of that non-heme iron. 
Non-heme iron cannot be absorbed properly unless it is in a soluble form, meaning that it needs a substance such as water in which to dissolve. The very important vitamin that can help in this respect is vitamin C. Vitamin C can play a leading role here. In fact, vitamin C may very well be the non-heme iron's best friend because it combines with this iron to make a soluble partnership. And the result is a very absorbable iron. So it's always interested me how certain native cultures put these things in almost, you know, uh, I'm not sure where they would have gotten the idea from. But I know when we go out uh, sometimes to a Chinese restaurant, and I am vegetarian, so, uh, you know, we'll have a meal, and uh, I see that at the end of the meal, after I've eaten my veggies and and whatever else I've done for protein, um, at the end of the meal, they generally, in many Chinese restaurants, they serve sliced orange. Very interesting. Orange is high in vitamin C. Um, And you don't need to eat a lot of food, a lot of, you don't need to consume a lot of vitamin C to activate all of that non-heme iron. If you have a salad, instead of using oil and vinegar, try squeezing a little lemon over your salad. A little lemon is enough to activate much of the uh, non-heme iron that's in those vegetables. Or do as they do in the Chinese restaurants at the end of the meal, just have a slice of orange. Again, you don't need to eat the whole orange. A slice, one or two slices is more than enough. So uh, just some tips on eating for those of you that are eating a lot of vegetables and want to get the iron from those vegetables. Even for you meat eaters out there, uh, there, there's absolutely no problem. Say, so let's say you're having four ounces of a rib steak, and then you have a nice big salad and some kind of a carbohydrate. Um, so certainly there's no reason why at the end of that meal you cannot have a slice of orange or over your salad uh, squeeze a little lemon and get that iron out of those vegetables as well. Otherwise, you're not going to absorb it. It'll be very hard to absorb in any reasonable manner. So uh, those are some thoughts. There are symptoms uh, of uh, iron deficiency. We've already mentioned some of them. Some of them are lethargy, uh, inability to walk, uh, or at least inability to walk properly, dizziness, uh, or an upset equilibrium. Uh, Then people also show signs Uh, depending on the level of the deficiency, signs like blue lips or um, blue bags under the eyes or a bluish whiteness of the eye. Uh, In women who are deficient in iron, we often find menstrual disorders. So these are things to be aware of if you're experiencing some of these symptoms. Well, check your iron. See your iron intake and... Uh, determine if you might just not be getting enough iron or not taking it in some way that you can absorb it. Um, so those are, those. you know, when we talk about an inability to walk properly, some experiments were done with different uh, minerals where a mineral would be uh, removed and other minerals were left in. They've done this experiment with grass, for example. You know, grass stands up. It stands straight up, you know, the little little uh, particles of grass. When, uh, when a uh, piece of land was taken and all the minerals were fed to it, except iron, the result was that the grass could not stand. It all fell over. So iron is that, you know, we speak about people. We say this person has an iron constitution or this person has iron in their spine. You know, they're just really strong in the way they stand. Um, generally, we mean it to, in, in, we mean it to refer to a, a quality of character. 
but it also represents a quality of the body as well as the mind. Say a person is, is a man of iron or a woman of iron, you know, they don't get dizzy. They, their equilibrium is there. They're walking strongly. They, they don't have lethargy. They have energy. Uh, so there's, no, there's none of this blue lips, none of those things. Women who, who are, you know, who have sufficient iron, we say this woman has an iron disposition. Well, uh, might mean if, if uh, among other things, that she's not experiencing menstrual disorders, not experiencing some of the hormonal problems that someone with an iron deficiency would be experiencing. Where is iron in the body? Iron is stored in every organ of the body, but particularly in the liver. Iron helps to soften the liver so it can work properly. One quarter of the blood of the body is in the liver at any given time, and it's being purified. So iron and oxygen work together to burn up waste material. Um, If we talk about women and iron, uh, newborn infants and animals, for example, have four times the supply of iron in the body than adults have. The mother supplies the offspring with enough iron that's stored in the liver for the entire first year of life. You know, milk, even mother's milk, lacks iron. So anemia can develop in infants on prolonged milk diets. Uh, So we have to be a little little aware of that. Uh, A mother cannot be on a prolonged milk diet. That will cause problems for her and for the infant. Women generally require more iron than men do, and that's due to the menstrual cycle and the consequent loss of blood iron. So we see women have to be a little more concerned, but certainly we all need iron. Pregnant and lactating women should ensure high iron. They should have that content in their diet. Um, When iron and oxygen are present in sufficient quantities in the body, that ensures that iron constitution. It ensures vitality. It ensures a personal magnetism. It, it, because iron attracts charm, a certain charm and optimism. The mind is sharp. The will is strong. It builds a, a, an inner sense of courage. Um, also, iron uh, is that beauty element. Iron is what puts that rosy color on our cheeks and gives us a nice complexion. When we have iron deficiency, especially in women, it's been found to create all kinds of problems and expressions of hysteria, uh, spontaneous crying, um, feelings of self-pity. So all of, you know, all of these are easily avoided uh, if the issue is iron deficiency, and in many cases that's exactly what it is. If when there's a lack of sufficient iron, that might manifest as a fear, fear, fear of crossing water, or a rushing about, or uh, really fear of the moods of others. Uh, people or patients with an iron deficiency uh, very often are hypochondriacs. They 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 imagine that they suffer from every ailment under the sun. And, uh, you know, they're taking a lot of pills to counteract that. Also, they may exhibit antisocial and uncooperative behavior. There have been studies in the prison system, uh, in juvenile retention prisons, uh, where... uh, where when the diet was changed and sufficient iron, among other things, was provided, that led to a reduction in aggression and uncooperativeness. So, and you know, some of the kids in, in those teenage uh, prisons are pretty tough. They come out of gangs. They're very aggressive. Uh, I wonder how much of that is due to poor nutrition, not just to social factors. Um, people who are deficient might be speaking in a monotone, also blaming others for their troubles, blaming others for unhappiness. 
it's a kind of childish irrationality and it pervades very often the expression and behavior. Uh, continuing uh, for a moment with what happens with female patients lacking iron, but they complain very often that their eyelids feel heavy. Uh, also that the lower back of the head throbs uh, painfully sometimes. The head seems to be in a vice. Also the heart, the waist, the chest, other body parts like in a vice are getting headaches from reading, writing, or concentration. Perhaps falling hair. I recently had a, a woman who had a problem with uh, hair, loss of hair. Well, among other things, I suggested after looking at her diet, improvement of her absorption of iron. Uh, when the scalp is tender or the throat is sore or when the mouth is dry and again when the lips are blue, all of those are signals or messages that we may be dropping in our iron or in our ability to absorb it. The eyes being lackluster or very anxious expressions on the face. Uh, foods may not taste good. Foods may taste acrid. Also, the appetite is not good. The stomach very often feels swollen. Uh, I cannot tell you how often I get uh, patients coming to see me when they have s constant swelling in the stomach. And when we look at it closer, it very often is an iron deficiency, which clears up very quickly when we improve the, ab the absorption or the intake. A heart flutters, muscle lack tone, muscle tone the lack of muscle tone, uh, menses being irregular, or the tongue and the skin appearing colorless. Uh, we could go on with the list, but you're, you get the idea. So where do we get our iron uh, besides meat and flesh foods? The foods that are highest in iron are chlorophyll. That's the link between us and the plant kingdom. And that's one of the greatest sources of all of iron. Uh, black cherries, all, all really dark. Think of iron as a color. All things that are very dark, dark grapes, you know, the, the really deep red grapes, black cherries, and certainly greens, all green vegetables. Spinach, you know, anyone who's grown up in our culture knows the story of Popeye. And Papa eats his spinach and he becomes a man of iron. Dulse, kelp, wonderful sources of iron. Most cereals and certainly all flesh foods. Uh, the, the RDAs, the Committee on Dietary Allowances, has stated that the toxicity of food iron is low and deleterious effects of daily intakes of 25 to 75 milligrams are unlikely in healthy persons. However, let's look at if there is a toxicity level. Um, I, first of all, I would point out the diets containing 75 milligrams of iron are rare to non-existent in the United States. Uh, so that's not generally an issue. Most food supplements which contain 18 milligrams of iron uh, and that, usually coupled with good eating habits, should be more than sufficient for healthy body and mind function. There are some good iron tonics to consider. If you're going to have some juicing, perhaps you want to look at this. Um, you might try celery, parsley, and carrots juice with some liquid chlorophyll added in, one or two teaspoons. So that celery, parsley, carrot juice with a little liquid chlorophyll. That is an iron cocktail or an iron tonic. But remember, more absorbable in the presence of vitamin C. So maybe at the end of that, have a slice of orange. <laughs> also nut milks. Uh, drink these with raisins or dates. Why raisins or dates? Remember what I said. Raisins, first of all, are dehydrated grapes. But anything that's dark, uh, dark red or black, raisins and dates, is high in iron. 
So that that covers most of what I want to share with you about iron. And I suggest you examine your diet carefully to check both for intake and for absorption, absorbability. Uh, We're going to take a moment's break to welcome those of you who are just joining our show. You are listening to Mind, Body, Spirit, Living a Holistic Life with your host, myself, Renee David Alkali. I am a board-certified naturopath and a nutritionist. I am in practice, in private practice in New York. You can contact me by going to my website at www.genesishealthbeauty.com. Genesis is spelled G-E-N-E-S-I-S, and that's www.genesishealthbeauty.com. If you'd like to call into our show, the number is 929-477-2869. That's 929-477-2869. We welcome your calls, and, uh, and we'll now continue uh, and see how much we can get through with the minerals. I was hoping we could get through... Uh, everything I wanted to get through today, that may not be possible, in which case we will continue the topic in our next episode. So moving on to the next uh, mineral that I'd like to deal with, and that's calcium, such an important mineral. The The name for calcium is the knitter, the knitter, K-N-I-T-T-E-R. That's because if you have a wound, Without enough calcium, the wound cannot knit, it cannot seal properly. So calcium is what helps that wound to knit. Um, I'd say basically 99% of our body calcium uh, is in the bones and the teeth. Uh, it's, it's the other 1% that's in the soft tissue and blood, which really affects, crucially affects the nerves. So when we have calcium shortage, that can result in what's the relationship to mood, right? That can result in irritable behavior, tense disposition, um, a grouchiness, along with depression, um, certainly an impairment of memory. If you're having trouble with your memory, well, try a little more calcium foods, which we'll talk about. Or cramping in the calves. Again, um, it's amazing to me how many people I get who actually complain about cramping in the calves. It has been estimated that as much as 30% of the adult U.S. population suffers from a deficiency. Not only a deficiency, but one that is severe enough to cause the above symptoms. Everything from poor memory, tense disposition, Um, certainly uh, cramping, as we spoke about. In the last few years, there's been a good deal of evidence that's come out about the many health-promoting benefits of calcium. First of all, we found that calcium could prevent and slow osteoporosis. uh, Osteoporosis is where the bones lose density and they become brittle, uh, and that affects one woman out of every four right now. So that's a serious consideration. Next, we discovered that calcium would control high blood pressure. Um, I see a lot of people with high blood pressure. And uh, one of the things that I will always look at is in the diet is are they getting enough calcium? Uh, this was also followed by research that indicates that calcium lowers chances of developing colon cancer three very good reasons for us to be aware of the calcium intake as well as absorbability. But there's, you know, you know, my friends, there's a lot of confusion about calcium. There are so many types of calcium supplements that many consumers are totally bewildered about which one is best. And then, of course, there is the concern of developing kidney stones from taking too much calcium 
It's a reality. So a calcium deficiency is generally associated with blood impurities that are due to the eliminative tract not functioning properly. There's a saying that death begins in the colon. Um, Again, I'm not going to go too far into that because we'll do a special program on that. But for today, let's, let's just go with that idea that there's improper elimination and toxicity building up and the, the organs aren't functioning properly and that can lead to a calcium deficiency. Um, cooking, for example, uh, breaks down calcium. Um, many elements, not only, but including calcium, 40% less Calcium is found in white sugar than in raw sugar. Blackstrap molasses contains 25 times as much calcium as white sugar. Not that I'm promoting the idea of sugar intake, but certainly if you're going to be having some sugar, start moving away from those white sugars. They are killers, literally. There's uh, 40% more calcium in the outer leaves of cabbage. Most people throw the outer leaves away. Hey, don't throw them away. Scrub them, wash them, eat them. Seeds are a wonderful calcium source. Cereals prepared by slow cooking and steaming are excellent calcium sources. As is cheese and raw milk. That's raw cheese. Cheese. It has to say raw cheese and raw milk hard to get in New York as far as raw milk but it certainly is available calcium is responsible well before we say that we can say foods that are high in oxalic acid have a problem you you know cause problems in the absorption of calcium and also increase the body's excretion of calcium or get rid of too much calcium So what are foods high in oxalic acid? Spinach, rhubarb, cranberries, just to name a few. Uh, So what is calcium essential for? Essential for uh, the solidity as well as the movement of the body. Essential for walking. Calcium helps with digestion. It improves food growth. It improves vitality and vigor. It does that by regulating the metabolism. When the body is cut or wounded, calcium in the blood causes coagulation to prevent hemorrhaging. That's what I was saying before. Calcium is essential for, um, uh, for, for really the regulation of many body functions. Calcium... Uh, Uh, let's look for a moment at calcium and sugar. You know, there's so much to talk about with each mineral. Uh, Sometimes don't know exactly where to start, but we'll keep going with the idea of calcium and sugar. The more sugar you consume, the more calcium is sent out of the body, is precipitated. When we have excessive sugar consumption, then we get problems. It erodes the teeth. It contributes to stomach acidity, The more sugar that's available to the system, the more calcium will be robbed. That's right, robbed, stolen. Thus, if you have a carbohydrate diet without consideration to calcium balance, that's going to be a problem because the calcium is going to be precipitated from the body at a rapid rate. When When we have calcium deficiency, again, that reduces our mental ability, our memory, our memory for names, dates, cities, lo- locations, times, vacations. Recall is difficult. Thinking becomes a strain. All those small details that are absorbed, uh, but not major happenings. Writing is preferable to talking. Uh, there's that brain feeling, for brain fatigue, and the boredom sets in. Speech may become incoherent. Word usage becomes problematic or improper. Meanings become vague. There's a lack of patience uh, for those parents out there who are 
impatient with your children, consider your calcium intake and see if that makes a difference. Fatigue, indifference, disgust for life. You know, there are other symptoms uh, that also manifest selfishness. When we talk about mood, selfishness, bad temper, uh, not listening to others, antisocial behavior, a lack of warmth between people. Uh, There might also be an aversion to interact with others or an impatience with personal and business functions. People low in calcium also may become offended very easily. So uh, certainly uh, people low in calcium tend to also uh, focus on the negative. Or sometimes they'll just wander about and have no direction at all. Wander about with no sense of purpose. Um, So uh, calcium deficiency, I'm trying to think of it causes any other problems uh, other things that come to mind or that it all it uh, it often leads to a kind of anguished and sorrowful demeanor calcium deficient people fear their own condition they're often preoccupied with thoughts of death um, so many of these patients have been found to be suspicious distrustful of others and pessimistic As soon as we supplement the diet, many of these conditions, in many cases, all of them, simply disappear. So what are the requirements? A normal adult needs about one and a half grams of calcium per day. Now, one quart of milk furnishes that quota, but most of us are not going to drink a quart of milk. A milk diet is not even recommended. So an elderly person doesn't only need calcium-containing foods, but also foods rich in sodium and and, uh, uh, chlorine. So in in order for calcium to be properly utilized, we need foods that are rich in sodium and chlorine. The right dose for premenopausal women would be 1,000 milligrams a day. And again, we're not talking about pills here just yet um, a pre a postmenopausal woman taking some form of estrogen replacement therapy ERT uh, would also need a thousand milligrams daily so having said that too little calcium however isn't the only thing contributing to osteoporosis individual characteristics mono um, and personal habits also play a role Uh, What are some of those characteristics? Uh, Childlessness, frequent use of aluminum-containing antacids, high alcohol intake, removal of the ovaries, secondary life, sedentary lifestyle, uh, small build, uh, smoking, and certainly one of the most important, stress. Thinness, uh, percent or more below desirable weight would be another one. In addition, white women are generally more frequently affected than black women. Not sure why, but those are the studies. The more risk factors that you have, the more you need to ensure that your calcium intake is sufficient. What are the food sources of calcium? Sardines with bones, probably the number one greatest source for calcium. Plain yogurt. Salmon with bones. Cheeses, hard and cottage, raw cheeses. Dulce. Um, trying to think of uh, some of the other other things that uh, that would be in high in calcium in the vegetable kingdom, perhaps dulse or any of the greens, kelp, certainly dairy, milk, uh, 
raw raw milk, both uh, cows and goat milk. Goat milk is a better choice. We can talk about, we can have a segment on dairy and why uh, goat milk is a better choice and what the constitution is of the different kinds of milk. Uh, Sesame seeds. So that pretty much uh, is about, I think, as much as we can deal with uh, regarding the minerals uh, and food and mood. We may not have to do all of them, but you get the idea. Uh, We could go through every single mineral and find exactly what it does, its deficiency potential, if it's toxicity levels, if there are any and uh, RDAs and so on, all the things we've talked about. But um, uh, basically, I would say if you want to be sure of getting a good balance of all your minerals, then uh, think in terms of a rainbow salad. Uh, So many people today are suggesting that it's been around for a very long time, uh, as I said, my teacher, one of my teachers was Bernard Jensen. He was using and recommending the diet for the last 50 or 60 years uh, in his practice, and he certainly uh, passed that on to myself and to his many other students. So uh, why a, a rainbow diet? Because nature has taken care of the balance for us. If we're going to think about what's the highest in this, what's the highest in that, that becomes a, a quite a task. But a rainbow diet where you're going to have four or five different colors of vegetables in your salad uh, each day, and you can vary those, gives you a very large range of minerals. Nature has put a different mineral content and a different mineral balance in every different color. Of, uh, of the plant kingdom. So, yes, have some orange carrots, have some green romaine lettuce, have some uh, yellow pep- bell peppers, have some, uh, add some watercress, have some, uh, I don't know what else, have some uh, olives, uh, things that come from the trees and from the earth, and just pick different colors. Your black olives, green olives, vary these. They all do something else in the body, and they will keep you healthy. So uh, in the little time that we have left, let me once again uh, say uh, that you are listening to Mind, Body, Spirit, Living a Holistic Life with your host, Renee David Alkali, myself. Um, I do have a website which you can go to if you need uh, personal help in any way. That's www.genesissociety. Sorry, www.genesishealthbeauty.com. Genesishealthbeauty.com. You can find my contact information there. I do work with private clients. I'll be happy to help in whatever way I can. Uh, if you ever, if you're calling into our program, the number is 929-477-2869. Uh, we welcome your calls. Uh, so today we've been discussing food and mood, and the relationship between food and mood has certainly intrigued people for ages. Uh, the Ayurvedic sages of India. 3,000 years ago, described how the body's natural rhythms were affected by the time of day, the seasonal changes, the diet, and the dosha, which is the type of person that's eating a particular diet. You know, one, one program perhaps will deal with Ayurvedic nutrition. But for now, let's just say that each person has their own constitution and they need different balances. The Ayurvedic system and the Chinese system recognize that. So these ancient, these ancients observed uh, the different times, the different types of people. We're coming to the end of our show. We we may sum up much of what we talked about in the next segment, and uh, I welcome you to join us. You're listening to Mind, Body, Spirit, Living a Holistic Life. Thank you so much for being with us. 
and for sharing uh, this time with us. Uh, Please join us next week for Mind, Body, Spirit, Living a Holistic Life with Renee David Alkali, your host. Uh, Thank you once again for listening and uh, have a blessed and a healthy day. A Wendy's Frosty is something special. And for a limited time, a Frosty is just 50 cents. An American classic for a classic price. It's not quite a milkshake, not quite an ice cream cone. It's definitely chocolate or vanilla. That choice is on you. Use a spoon or a french fry. Anything goes. A Frosty makes summer special. Yep, there's nothing quite like a Frosty. And there's nothing quite like this deal. A Frosty for 50 cents. Get yours before this deal melts away. Small Frosty at participating Wendy's for a limited time.